Good morning, church. You have a copy of God's word? I hope you do. But you are going to be opening to the spot where I'm already at, Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at one verse, verse 13. Verse 13. We are in a series, the Holy Spirit. And one thing that we can't miss out on our series is this. Not just answering the question of who is the Holy Spirit, not just clarifying that the Holy Spirit saves, but that the Holy Spirit transforms. The work of the Spirit is to transform you and me from something that we never could be on our own into something unexplainable apart from the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit, undeniably, again and again, in the life of every believer is radical transformation. At least that's God's will if we would cooperate. Anybody grow up as kind of a, one of the stubborn kids, the, the strong-willed child, right? They wrote books about you, how-to parenting books. How much more helpful, how much more progress could you and I be making if in the Christian life we would be eager participants with the Holy Spirit instead of being the stubborn kid in the corner with our arms crossed demanding that either the Holy Spirit zap you, right, and just make it all change and go away. What if today could be a day where you just say, I'm done. I'm done fighting. I'm done making excuses. I'm done resisting. I'm a willing participant. Change me. Change me. Change me. Because God's will for your life is that you would be changed. The Holy Spirit is doing all of his part to change you. The question is, are are you doing your part of being pliable, moldable in his hands? I wonder if we could just we could just say that together, just two words, change me. Can we say that together? Change me. Can we say that one more time? Change me. What if that's your prayer this week? What if it's as simple as God change me? Change me. I'm sick and tired of being stuck and being trapped of being lazy, of being stubborn. Change Change God did not save you to leave you. God saved you to change you. And could I, could I be so bold this morning, because I don't know if everybody is awake, but maybe this will, this will wake us up. And I, I have no desire to provoke any doubt or insecurity in your salvation but I think there's something that needs to be said, and it's this. If God has not changed you, has he saved you? And that's between you and the Lord. That's not, that's not a, a judgment and condemnation on Sunday morning. But that is a sobering question that you have to answer. And you cannot delay. Because time is short. Am I really saved? And if I am, there is evidence. I'm being changed. I'm not perfect, but I'm not who I used to be. By God's grace, by the power of the Spirit, I'm not who I once was, even though I'm not who I should be because he's changing me. And so if you're taking notes, jot this down. My calling. Do you believe there's a calling on your life? <laughs> I, I hope you believe it. What's my purpose? Why am I here? There's a calling on your life if you're a Christian. And here's, here's one of the many callings. My calling is to kill 
the flesh, to kill the flesh. What? Yeah. You are to have homicidal thoughts on a daily basis, and it's not towards anybody else. It's, it's within. It's lingering sin within. What, is, what does Paul tell us from Romans 8 in this single verse? Here we go. If you're ready, say ready. He says this. For if you live, if, if you live according to the flesh, oh, you will die. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, someone say but. Oh, give me some good news, Paul. But if by the Spirit, there it is. If by the Spirit, yes, Holy Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I, I hope you came in this morning and say, I need some good news. And here's really good news. If you live by the Spirit, you will experience a life that is totally different than anything you've ever experienced before. Maybe it's not going to be all at once, not the wow moment, but it's going to be ever so regular in your life as you kill sin, as you kill the flesh, as you put to death the old ways, something is rising up in its place. Do you believe that? And is it by your willpower? Is it by your, your self-discipline? Just need to get really serious about being disciplined in the Christian life. By the power of the Spirit, there's life. Do you know him? Are you experiencing that kind of change? When we kicked off in this series, we talked about how perplexing it is depending on our background, depending on maybe some denominational or, or author influence that for some of us, we didn't even know that there was a third person to the Trinity. And so welcome to this mini series on the Holy Spirit. It is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and Holy Bible or list of rules or confirmation or whatever else that there is a power that is in you that raised Jesus from the dead that leads to life if, someone say if, it's conditional. Paul says, if, if you don't live according to the flesh, but instead the spirit, and you put to death the deeds of the body, you will. Could we lay out some theology? I don't, I don't know if everybody is caffeinated enough to handle it. Somebody say, I can handle it. Only if you really can. Here's some theology to chew on this week, okay? I believe last week we got some throwdown with some terms. I, I don't know if regeneration was already on your shelf, but if you were here last week, if you weren't, hop on our podcast on our website and be able to, to check that out from last week that the Holy Spirit saves. He regenerates. So here's, here's a big term. Regeneration. Here's what regeneration guarantees. If God, the Spirit, makes you alive, here's a guarantee. You will be converted. You will be converted from old to new. You'll be converted from unbelieving to believing. If you are made alive and your eyes are open, this is what John Owen spends a few chapters talking about is if there is a God that regenerates, that makes dead things alive, he brings conversion. It's, it's the Spirit of God that does that. And if you have been converted to Jesus, not to a church or a denomination, right? But to Jesus, if you have been converted, here's what's also guaranteed. That means you're justified. And we said this in the past, justification means, or you could think about it this way, just as if I have never sinned, just as if I have always obeyed. That's how the Father sees me. If I have been regenerated, if I have been converted, I've been justified. I'm right with God. How many people in our world can say that? 
you interviewed, if you hit the streets and, and had a, a mic and, and your camera and just interviewed, are you right with God? Are you right with God? How confident are you? How many people do you, do you think would say, I know with great certainty that I am right with God? It's getting hard to find many. And here's what's scarier. If we went church to church, even around our county, and said, do you have absolute certainty that you've been justified, you've been made right with God? How certain are you? I hope so. Man, I hope so. I don't, I don't know. How often do you go to church? Almost every week. How long have you been in church? My whole life. Are you going to go to heaven for certain? Do you know that you're right with God? Hope so. I would say that would be the vast majority of responses. No judgment, just facts. I should probably put a video together, post it on YouTube just to verify that this theory is, is true. But here's where it gets good, is that if the Holy Spirit regenerates, converts, and brings us to this awesome, awesome place of justification, what's the guarantee? Sanctification will happen. There will be a power at work in you that makes you holy. Maybe not your version of holy, not what you were taught as holy, but authentic, genuine holiness will be your experience. Sanctification of old fading away, new becoming the present reality. I'm being changed. I'm being sanctified if I am genuinely born again, if I've been made alive. I don't know if you've made all those connections, but I hope in your mind after today, you say, anyone that has been saved is being changed. That is biblical. That is what scripture states again and again. Well, preacher dude, can you, can you back it up a little bit more than just one verse? Are we just going to camp out on one verse? I got a few more for you. Okay. All right. All right. We have Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work, he started it. He started it. What is he going to do? Well, he's going to hope you do your best until you get to heaven. He who started a good work in you has promised to, he's going to finish it. He's going to bring it to completion. He will sanctify you until that day. I hope that's good news to you. God. Someday I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be just like you when I am in your presence. I'm not there yet. But in the, but in the waiting, you're changing. And if you've experienced that a little bit, if you got a taste of that, I hope today you're like, I'm not going to settle for anything less. I want more. I want more. I want more. I don't want a little bit because God's not offering a droplet. He's offering the ocean of sanctifying power, and he wants you to experience that. He's doing his part. Are you doing yours? And today could be a day where you just say, God, I know I've been resisting. I know that I'm saved, but I know that I'm the kink in the hose, and I, I don't want there to be anything in the way. And maybe God may bring something to mind this morning of, it's right there. I know what it is. I know what needs to be surrendered. I know what needs to be confessed. I know what needs to be repented of. I'm done making excuses. I don't want to just know I'm going to heaven. I want to be changed. I want, I want the Spirit's control of me. And I was asked years and years ago, John, do you realize that you already have all of the Holy Spirit? You have to ask yourself, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Any given day to ask. God, where am I holding back? Where am I making excuses? I want to be sanctified, and that's the promise. First Peter 2.11, Peter backs Paul's play here. Beloved loved ones, I urge you as 
sojourners, as exiles. You homeless vagabonds wandering around waiting for heaven. This isn't your home. And here's how you show that this earth isn't your home. This is what Peter charges the church with. Abstain. Stay away from the passions of the flesh because they're waging war against your soul. There is an enemy and he is not outside of you. Your greatest enemy is within. Do we have a moment of honesty in God's house? We don't believe that. We believe communism is the enemy. We believe whatever party that we're against is the enemy. We believe that the school system is the enemy. We believe that our in-laws, those are the enemies. Maybe for some of us right now, we believe that our spouse is the enemy. We believe that anything else that we can point to to make us feel like we're not the wrongdoer here. I'm doing the right thing. The real problem is Paul is so passionate. I, I hear there's a few ladies going through Romans, Romans 8 this summer. Is that happening? Is that happening? Whew. How beautiful to be able to spend a summer in a chapter. Guys, your day's coming. But for us to recall this, our greatest enemy is, is within us. Because even after Satan is removed and after all temptation is removed, wait a minute, that kind of sounds like the garden where perfect people chose in a perfect world. Well, it was Satan's fault. Yeah, how well did that go in the blame-shifting capades in the beginning? God holds us accountable for how we respond, the choices we make. Nobody is to blame. People can provoke us. They can tempt us. Situations can can force us to the brink of feeling like we don't have a choice, but in the end, we choose. We choose. Passions of the flesh, and it needs to die. It needs to die. Everybody ready for some more, some more theology? I know that you're like, I was just getting warmed up. I know that was a little, a little entree, okay? So we're, we're, we're going to dabble a little bit more. Meal number one. I don't know if you're taking notes here, but jot this down. We just want to be absolutely clear here that it starts with this, justification, justification. There's very, very much a reality when, when you received the gospel that you were justified, which means what? It means that you have been saved. We have been saved. There is very real past tense of I have been saved. When did you get saved? Well, I got saved June 16th, 2002, Father's Day. I know where I was. Actually, when we took our trip up to Wisconsin, we drove past exit where I could look down the, the county road, and I'm like, 21 years ago, it happened right there. Justified, in a horrible condition, a desperate state, and God finds us in all kinds of places, right? Justified. So there's a very real sense that I have a spiritual birthday that I look back to, and I love it. We have been saved. Saved from what? Here's some clarity. There is a penalty for sin. Rebellion against the Most High is tyranny. Even what we would call the smallest of sin is breaking the law of God. Directly in the face of God, we have rebelled and broken His rules and His laws. There's a penalty to pay. Do we believe that? Very few do. God's a gracious God. I'm going to have a second chance. Maybe there's purgatory. Maybe there's something. There's going to be a penalty, and there's, there's no second chances. 
But here's what's awesome. It's not just justification. We just talked about what? Sanctification. In sanctification, there is a sense in which we could say we are being saved. I am being saved from the old ways and the old mindset and the old patterns and the old value system. And little by little, God is, I mean, you can think about you used to be a big collection of Legos of all different colors that you gathered all kinds of ideas and thoughts and beliefs. And you were a mosaic of a lot of worldly perspectives and beliefs. And one by one, God is taking each one out and he's replacing it with his glorious new color. And pretty soon, you are being changed. You're being sanctified. We could, we could say with great confidence, I am being saved. I mean that what happened back then wasn't complete and full. The reality is what God starts, he's going to continue. I love it. Not just justification, not just sanctification, where we are being changed from one degree of glory to another by the power of the Spirit to overcome the power of sin. But we also have this. Glorification. Anybody looking forward to glory? I don't know in the last time you just thought, Lord, come soon. Come quickly. There's so much hype in every generation about the end. Is it the end? Is this the end times? I mean, the signs are there in every generation, regardless of what we see, regardless of the conspiracy theories, there better be in the heart of one that has been justified and being sanctified that I want to be glorified. I want to enter into the presence of my master. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant because God already dealt with the penalty In real time, there is overcoming of the power of sin, not just the penalty. And pretty soon, I hope you're looking forward to it. I am going to be in the presence of God and the presence of sin is going to be gone. Can you even imagine that? Can you imagine one second of no sin in you, no sin around you? We can't even imagine that. All we know is sin. We're swimming in it. Fish don't know they're wet. We don't even realize the impact of swimming in a sin-cursed world and lingering sin still within us. And pretty soon the presence of sin is going to be gone. Somebody say glory. Here we go. It's coming. Doxa. Glory. Glorification. We will be saved. We will be saved. John Owen said this, the choicest believers, he's talking about the most mature, the most committed, all-in believers, who are surely free from the condemning power of sin, ought yet to make it their business, how often? All their days. To do what? Here's a a good old term for you, to mortify. Remember the title of one of his books was Mortification of Sin. What does that mean? To kill, to put to death indwelling power of sin. Because God didn't save you to just leave you. God saved you to change you. And he's giving you the power to overcome. And that's why hopefully you've picked up on over the years, we, we talk a little bit about biblical soul care. We talk about soul care. We talk about counseling. And I know a lot of people get a little weird whenever you, know, you mention counseling and it's like, what are we talking about? I got like shrinks and therapists going on. Here's the reality. Each one of us is a counselor. The reality is, are you a good counselor or a poor counselor? because we're always giving advice to people. We're always dropping little nuggets and planting little seeds. But even as believers, 
we can lead people astray by not helping them to fight the battles. And we have a temptation now more than ever to enable people, you're a victim, and that's just the way you are, and that's the way you'll always be. And we help people to stay stuck in their sin, and we think we're being a good friend. And I hope as a church we would say, with grace, with gentleness, with great passion and patience, and even a little bit of what we heard from the storms, that there are situations that are front and center in our lives that we have to say, that is sin. It's it's wicked. But God's offering power to overcome that. You don't have to stay there and all of the excuses and all of the reasons, and we can be the lone voice in the world saying, I love you too much to enable you to stay put stuck in your sin because if you stay in your sin, it leads to death. And I love you too much. I don't want to see you die. I want to see you experience life. And that means you and I, let's partner together to kill sin, to kill the flesh. And I hope you're doing that. I hope you are thinking about that throughout this message of what is it that God's calling me to kill in my life and get really, really specific. How about this? Number two, if you're taking notes, my my power is the Holy Spirit. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to get rid of bad habits and old ways? You can't do it. Is that is that good news or bad news? How does that sound? Um, You've been doing that thing for so long. You've been thinking that way for so long. You've been stuck and trapped in that old way of thinking and those old habits, those old patterns for so long. And I don't know when the last time somebody just said, you can't, you can't fix you. And that's really good news because you're being offered a greater power. You're being offered something bigger and better than your own efforts to try to fix you. You are not your own self-help project. You are in the hands of a God that is waiting for you to partner with him to overcome by his power, not yours. So I, I don't know if, if you're going to remember anything as you leave here today, but, but one thing would be God did not save you to leave you. He saved you to change you, and he, he saved you to change you by his power, not yours by his wisdom, not yours. And I, I hope you recognize afresh today, such because I don't have to try to fake it till I make it. I don't have to try to pretend like in time, I'll, I'll just get a little bit better. You can come clean today. Isn't that good news? That, that God's house can be a place where we can all say, wow, I'm a mess and you are too. And you can't change you and I can't change me. So let's run to him together let's go to him let's take each other there let's point each other there let's help each other get to the place where the power is found and the power is not found in you the power is in the spirit of god romans 8 13 you back there you back there with me for if you live according to the flesh you better be killing that flesh otherwise you're gonna die but if by the spirit somebody say by the spirit come on one more time by the spirit You got it, you got it. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. And I've been thinking about badgers recently. 
this is going to connect in just a second. If you think about Badgers, well, I was just in the glorious Badger state for a few days. Johnny G and I happened to coach the Badgers in Corpus Christi football team. We have some Badger players with us today. And man, you take a look at any of those cute, fuzzy, little baby anything. And, and we get pictures like this and all of God's people just want to say, oh, what we forget is that the cute little things that we that we kind of think, well, we, we can manage this, we can control this. Um, pretty soon those things, if not killed, kill you. And we, we have enough stories of lion tamers and tiger tamers and bear tamers. And here's how it works. Uh, God strategically designed the badger to defend and to kill, okay? There's been many videos taken of going toe-to-toe with cheetahs and winning, going toe-to-toe with monster lions and holding its own. So those cute little fuzzy, well, it's just a little bit of sin. And I know it's a bad habit, but we all have bad habits. You know, I'll tolerate yours if you tolerate mine. And those, those cute little pet sins. I just spoke to somebody this past week, and this was a breakthrough. As I was speaking to this individual that has become a friend of mine, and they're trying to fight an old, old, stubborn habit. And do you know what they said? They said, John, this past week, I've been, I've been gaining some ground over the months. I've been experiencing some victory. And this past week, that sin that I thought kind of got a little out of control for a while and kind of started you know, destroying me, and I, I got it kind of back, back in order and got it managed. Well, the enemy came along and just whispered, and this individual had a choice to make. That has been, they've been fighting for their life. They've been killing sin, and it's been a brutal fight. And they're winning, and they're winning, and they're winning by the grace of God, the power of the Spirit, the Word of God saturating their mind and getting to a place of, God, you're good. I'm overcoming. There's victory. And then the voice. And they told me, John, with all of the work that I've been doing and that we've been doing together, I was so grateful because in that moment, you kept telling me, you can't do this alone. You need an army around you. You need to be in community. And John, guess what? Guess what I've done? I'm in a small group and I'm meeting one-on-one with someone else. And, And when I heard the whisper where it got so out of control and I thought I could try to tame it and try to kind of move on and it just keeps coming back and claws out and fangs out and on the assault, I remembered I'm not alone and somebody will know because right now I'm going to make a call and I'm going to tell somebody this is the whisper that's going on and I'm not going to let this beast back into the living room. I'm not going to allow it back into my bedroom. I'm not going to allow it to, to terrorize my life anymore. I'm not going to play with it anymore. It's not cute and cuddly, and it's not able to be hid and tucked away. i got to kill it. And how awesome that there's more and more testimonies in our church of, I know I'm not alone, and I know I have people that care and that are reaching out, and i got people that I can call and say, I need help right now. I'm in trouble right now. I need somebody to talk to and pray for me right now. And we can't do it on 
our own. There is a power in us that's from on high, but something more powerful happens when that resurrection power gathers together and there are white hot coals fighting in unity all of the sin that so easily destroys us. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. It's not cute. It's not cuddly. It's going to destroy. First Thessalonians says this. First Thess 2.13 We also thank God constantly for this. What, do you, what are you thanking God for all the time? When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Is that you? I'm hearing the word and I'm receiving it. I want it. I'm taking it in. Accepted it, not as the words of men, but as what it really is. It's the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Do we believe that every time that I get up, any time that Brother Jay or Brother John get, gets up to, to preach the word, that we're able to say, the words that I'm hearing, they're not man's words. They're not their thoughts and opinions. I'm looking right at the text and God's talking to me and could could Paul brag on you to say, man, those people at that church over there in Iowa will say, man, they don't just hear the word, they, they receive it, they accept it, they take it in because they know God's speaking. I, I hope that's us as a church. Galatians 5 says this, walk by the Spirit. What happens if I do? What happens if I walk by the Spirit? Then you will not gratify, you won't give in to the desires of the flesh. How so? Here's the argument of Paul. The desires of the flesh, they're against the Spirit. They hate the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit, totally opposed to the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to this degree. They keep you from doing the things you actually want. The flesh keeps you from freedom in Christ and freedom in Christ and liberty and victory in the Holy Spirit keeps you from continuing to give in to the old. They're opposed to each other. So I don't know if you've been lied to in the past. Can we just have a have a, a clarifying, freeing moment. If anyone has ever told you in the past, that's just the way you are. You're just going to have to kind of manage with that. You're just kind of stuck with that. I, I want to say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that His power, if you're a follower of Jesus, is in you. That there is hope for change. Maybe it's not as fast as you want. Maybe it's not as revolutionary as you want. Maybe it's not in a moment, but there is power at work in you if you're a follower of Jesus that you no longer have to say, this is just the way I am. The power's too great. I can't resist the temptation. I just have to give in. And I think the, the stats right now, can we get, get a little, little in the weeds? The stats right now state that before a young man is 10 years old, 92% of 10-year-olds and under have viewed pornography multiple times. Before 10, 92%. The stats are now saying by the time a young girl reaches 10 years old, the stats are 42% have already viewed regularly pornography. And college stats, young adult stats are saying addiction to pornography and masturbation is almost equal men and women by the time the early 20s. Kurt, what started as it's no big deal, mom, dad, chill out, okay, turns into a raging badger that is destroying the soul and taking over a life. And that's just one area, just one 
area of justification of saying, I don't have power to overcome. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Do you know how long I've been stuck in it? I can testify that on my 10th birthday was the first time that my buddy took our whole crew after, I don't, is Chuck E. Cheese still around? Is that still a thing? Is that still a thing? All right. Right after Chuck E. Cheese party, all right, I got my first dartboard and my first, I don't know if it was like a, like a little BB gun, something like that. And I thought I had like, I got it all. I'm good. Just turned 10. Hey, we'll go over to my buddy Clint's house for, for a, a party after the party and we'll do a sleepover. That's cool. And this will date me. VHS popped in and I've never seen anything like that. And there probably wasn't a week after that that I did not, not see something like that. I was in hook, line, and sinker. I believe that God was able to open my eyes to see it doesn't matter how deep, it doesn't matter how long, there is freedom. There is victory to be had. Do you believe that? I don't know what your thing is. I don't know how long your thing's been going on. But there's a power in you that's greater than that power, that temptation. Believe it today. Maybe today could be the day that you say, I believe you, God, that you're greater than my addiction to alcohol, to pornography, to my shopping, to my obsession with fear of man. He's bigger. He's greater. He can overcome. It's not my willpower. It's not my discipline. It's his power in me and through me. I don't know what your thing is. But how awesome is it that I can sit here and say, it doesn't matter what your thing is. God's greater. He's greater. He's more powerful. And you don't have to walk it alone. Because when we walk together, something really powerful happens. When you are known fully and fully loved and not judged, there's freedom. There's freedom there. May we be a church like that. Come as you are. And God's saying, don't stay there. And let's walk this together. You're not alone. You're not alone. Turn your ear and say, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. How about this? Number three, somebody, somebody shout, land the plane. Here we go. What, what does Paul tell us? Romans 8, 13, my promise, here's the promise guaranteed to me. My promise is life. For if you live according to the flesh, what's gonna happen? You're gonna die. You're gonna die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will live. That's a promise. So what does life look like in the spirit? And we don't have time to unpack all this. I want you to take this home. I want you to do a deep dive this week as you write on your three by five card and post it everywhere and on your wallpaper that you would have Romans 8, 13, but then you would have all week long, you would have this in your Bible and you've got a plan this week to go through these scriptures. I want life in the spirit. I want to live. I don't want to die, God. I want to live. You died so that I would live and I want it all. I want fullness of life. If you sacrificed yourself, Jesus, and I hope that's your heart, Jesus, you gave it all. You gave it all. And so I want everything you died for. My sin was so wicked that you were tortured and your power is so strong that nothing can stop it and it can overcome any obstacles to have life. What is life? Life in the spirit. Here's, here's a few. Just as you ask the question, is he, is he changing me? Am I coming alive? Here's, here's a few to write in. How about this? Regeneration. Titus 3, 5. We talked about this. He saved us, not because of works. Somebody say, not that. Not that. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness. Nope. But according to his own mercy, 
by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. I come alive. I'm regenerated and renewed by the power of the Spirit. That's life. Are you experiencing that? I have new life. Where there was death, there's life. How about this power? Acts 1.8. I want you to, to catch this. Not just that, oh, Holy Spirit power, awesome. Pentecost. Power to do what? Well, life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit changes you, and it changes the way that you talk and what you talk about and people you talk to. What happens when the power of God enters in? This is what Acts 8 says. Jesus is telling them, you will receive power. You will receive power when, when, when I leave and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my power to do what? To be my witnesses. I used to be so quiet, so shy, so reserved, so fearful. Any fear of man in the house today? I'm just so concerned about what they think of me and that they're going to judge me and that I'm going to be rejected and I'm not, I don't fit in. Power from on high that's at work in you is, I don't care what they think about me. They need to know what I think about God and I want them to think the same thing, that he's awesome, that he's powerful. Boldness, somebody say bold. Bold to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the end of the earth. Do you believe that promise is true? We're watching it happen. Did it start in Jerusalem? Did it go through Judea? Did it make it to Samaria? Is it making it to the ends of the earth, every nation? It is, it is. And when it's done, it'll be over. Do you believe that? When every tribe has heard, when every tribe and tongue and language, not every single individual, but every nation, every people group has heard the gospel, Jesus will return. He will come back when he has accomplished this, but it's power to do what? Power to be a witness. I'm not afraid, or I'm gonna do it afraid. I might pee in my pants a little bit, but I'm gonna speak up, and I'm gonna say, he saved me. I'm different. You can judge me all you want to, but I'm with him, and I want you to be with him too, because I want us to be together, and we only can be together forever if we're with him, and I need to tell you about him and how to get right with him. There's power. Somebody say power. There we go. We got power. What else? What is is this spiritual life? What is this new life that's promised? How about worship? This is going to rock our worlds, all right? Everybody ready? Ephesians 5. Here's the call from the Apostle Paul. What does he say? Do not get drunk with wine. Are you saying don't be controlled by any substance at all? So I can't get drunk with wine, but I I really like tequila. So is that okay? Because no, no, any substance, any controlling substance at all, I'm not controlled by that. Why? Because here's the contrast. This is so awesome. It's debauchery. It's evil. It sucks you in. But, somebody say but, but instead be filled with the Spirit. So Paul, you're telling me that I can't be filled with the Spirit and filled with that stuff? No. You choose what you're going to be filled with, what you're going to be controlled by. Which one is it? And I love this. What's the result of being filled with the Spirit? Well, he's talking to the church here in Ephesus, and he says, man, if there's some folks gathering together and they're worshiping, what's going to happen? They're going to be addressing one another, proclaiming to one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Can we just can we pause for a second? Can we, can we clarify? In our day, the only version of worship that we think about is just shut everybody out, close your eyes, and look up. And then you read Ephesians 5, and it says, when I'm filled with the Spirit, I actually sing to one another. So when we're here singing, we're singing to each other. We're addressing each other. Have you ever been in a gathering, and maybe it was here, 
where you're hearing other voices and they're like, they're ministering to me as they're singing. We were in a ministry that had a massive choir on stage, not all the time, but for some special events, right? So there's like 40, 50 people up on stage, just belting it out. And I'm trying to like, just gonna close my eyes. I'm just focusing on Jesus, right? Just worshiping. I wanna be filled with the spirit. I wanna be looking vertical. And the moment that I opened my eyes and caught the glimpse of the guy in the fourth row just weeping and shouting praises. And I found out after that he has a terminal illness, that he was born with a disability. He doesn't know how long he's going to, to live. Just wholehearted. Guess what? That dude was singing to me. He was praising God, which we see singing and making melody to the Lord. But what precedes that? When we're filled with the Spirit, we're ministering to each other in the room. So maybe we could challenge each other instead of when we gather and say, I just need to ignore everybody around me. Maybe I actually need to think about my ministry is around. So Spirit, fill me. And the power that's in me is going to minister to other people. That's pretty awesome. Somebody say that's awesome. Worship, worship. Here we go. Help. Help. If I am living this new life, experiencing new life, I'm going to get some help. John 14, 16. Man, I, I feel like we should have an entire message just on the Holy Spirit is my, is my help. Should we do that? John Gooch, thank you for signing up. Next week, come back, and we are going to get some Holy Spirit helper. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you for a little while or when you need him. Is that what it says? Uh, forever, forever. I need him all the time. What else does this new life in the Spirit lead to? Strength, Colossians 1, 11. Be strengthened with all power. How much power? All, all power according to his glorious might. What, what is it gonna lead to? This new life of power leads to endurance. But I wanna quit and I wanna give up and endure, endure, endure. Don't stop, don't give up, don't quit. The power of the Spirit. This is new life to endure with Patient joy, awesome. Patience, joy. How about this? This new life also, we should sing a song about gratitude. Brandon, you got, you got a song in mind next week? Great, you're on, okay. So gratitude, gratitude. When you are walking in the spirit, living this spirit-filled life, what happens? I used to be so grumpy and so irritable and complain, 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 complain. And God would just say, you continue a life of complaining, you're going to die. Because if you live in the flesh, it leads to hell. If you have new life in the spirit, something changes. Thank you, God. What? Where'd that come from? Holy Spirit's in me. Thank you, God. Thank you. This is so hard and they're so frustrating to work with. Thank you, God. They let me down again, disappointed me over and over again. Thank you, God. I'm not going to live in death. I'm going to put to death the flesh. I want life. Where's life found? Giving thanks sometimes when you feel like it and everybody treats you good. Is that Ephesians 5? If it is, you got the wrong translation, bro. Giving thanks always, always, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What else? Wisdom, wisdom. Here's our final two. Wisdom is evidence of the Spirit. Overflow of the Spirit is I used to be such a fool. All my decisions, foolish, foolish, foolish. And now 1 Corinthians 2.10 says this. These things God has revealed to us. It wasn't me. 
It's not because of my IQ. It's not because of my degrees. It's not because of my life experience. It's because God is revealing these things to me through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, and we get the wisdom. The Spirit of God in you. Is there evidence that you used to make such foolish? Can we just say it? You have a long history, some of you. Okay, I'll just speak of myself. All right, let's back up. You have a long history of being a total idiot. And then you kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And then the Spirit of God starts bringing insight, perspective, and discernment, and wisdom. Who's showing me? It's not for me. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're giving me wisdom that I don't have. And how about this? Finally, there is a string of nine descriptions from Galatians 5. And we go there often, right? We know that the flesh is so obvious, so evident, and shows up all the time, and it's nasty, and it's ugly. But, and somebody say but, but the fruit of the Spirit, it's greater, it's, it's better, it's longer lasting. It's love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness and faithfulness, self-control. Fruit like this is growing on your tree more and more because the Spirit of God, not because you're a harder worker, you're more disciplined, you show up to church more often, you can be in that pew week after week, year after year, and zero fruit growing on your tree. And for some of us, we could testify, yep, back a decade of my life, zip, but I was doing the right things, I was saying the right things, I was serving, I was serving, I was serving, I was serving, but you're not growing, your character's not changing, because that takes the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God didn't save you to just leave you. He saved you to change you. And as the worship team comes up, I want us to just reflect on these. If you want to just look up on the screen, I wonder if we would just assess, just real quick. You got this, right? You got this? Don't write it down. You can take this home. What, what's my homework, preacher? What's my homework? Right here. God, am I experiencing life in the Spirit? Is it evident that I went from death to life, that there's power I didn't have and there's power that is showing up in my life? Am I growing in my worship? Am I getting help that I desperately need because I'm not trying to fix it myself and do it myself? I'm being helped by the Spirit of God. It's, it's more and more in my life. I'm being strengthened where I feel so weak, but God is my strength. Where I used to murmur and complain there's gratitude rising up. I'm being changed by the Spirit. I used to be so foolish, not even considering what God's Word said about making decisions, about relationships, about money, about time. And there's wisdom and growing in wisdom. And there's fruit. And it wasn't growing on my tree before, but I'm different now, little by little. And I wonder if for some of those, maybe there's one thing that you're like, I know what God's addressing. I've been feeding the flesh. I'm not putting the flesh to death. I'm giving in and giving in and giving in. And the Spirit of God saying, enough. It's time to go to war. Killing sin or sin will be killing you. You take that to heart and say, I'm ready to fight because I want to win. 